want you to take your copy of God's Word or your Bible app, whichever one you have with you today. I encourage you to get that out. And if you will be making your way over to um, the book of 1 Corinthians, so past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. Be turning to 1 Corinthians. While you're turning there, let me pray for us this morning. Father, I pray that you would call us out of our sins and our selfishness and into the life that you have for us, a life of joy and peace found in your presence. Father, I pray now that your word would speak. Lord, help us to hear, help us to obey. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> so a little backstory of kind of how we got where we are this morning with this particular message. So about two weeks ago, uh, Austin and I attended a conference called Together for the Gospel. Still, I'm wearing that band that we used to get into the conference. And it was in the middle of that conference, the three-day conference that we were there, it was in the middle of that conference I began to get a burden, and I began to ask the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And so the next morning I woke up and I just simply composed a text and it said, question, in parentheses, and don't overthink it with a little winky face, probably my most used emoji. For those of you that don't know what emojis are, ask your grandchildren. Anyway, all right, so question and don't overthink it, and here was the next statement. Define the gospel in one sentence. Again, back to this question this morning, what is the gospel? So there, in that moment, one of the first people that I heard back from was my friend Bill Langford. He texted me and, and he gave me his answer. And then what was interesting too is that Bill, the few minutes had gone by and so I copy and pasted that to some of my friends, some of my pastor friends, lay leaders, my wife. So they're all over the place, right? They're followers of Christ, they serve or their lay leaders within their church. Just, just shot that off to several people to ask them that question. Well, there directly, everyone kind of responded pretty quickly within about 20 to 30 minutes. And I was like, wow, I got some really cool answers. I'm going to share some of them with you today. But then my phone rang. And I don't know about y'all today, but the thing I can tell you about millennials and whatever the group that's coming behind us, like we text and we're on our phones, but we don't like to talk on the phone. Amen? Like, anybody else recognize that? It's like, so you look down, it's like, well, let's just see how long we wait, and then we'll wait and see if they leave a voicemail or they text us. Just being transparent. I know, see, I heard some giggles. Some of y'all do the same thing. Well, I look down on my phone, and it's my buddy Bill. <clears throat> I answer the phone, and Bill's like, hey, man. He's like, I got your question. He said, hey, do you remember a while back that I, pr I asked the question during chapel at the school that he and I went to, and I went to hear him preach that night, he said, I asked the question, what's the gospel? And I'm thinking, oh man, I totally forgot that. Because what I was interested in that night as he was preaching was he was talking about 3 a.m. Friends, which is a series that I hopefully will do one day, talking about the need for 3 a.m. Friends in our life. And so what was telling to me is this. He said, Chris, as I stood before that group, now these are lay leaders in their church, and also ministers. He said, as I stood before y'all that evening, and I asked the question, what is the gospel? I got to look like many of you are giving me now. Again, back to the question of what is the gospel? 
What is the gospel? I've heard it said best that if it's memorable, it's portable. So do we know the gospel? So I want you to look with me in your copy of God's Word, and you'll find these similar words in, in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. As he writes, as he gets towards the end of his letter, under the heading of the resurrection of Christ, look with me, you'll find these similar words, starting in verse 1. Now really, I'll, I'll point out here in a minute, there, there are two verses here in particular that it's the gospel in two verses. And I'll, I'll point out here in a second, but let's look at what Paul says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received... In which you stand, look at those words that he preached. How will they hear if no one preaches? So he's preached the word. There was, they received it. And now they're to stand in it and on it. And by which you were saved, if you hold what? Fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Hold on to that word vain. And then these next two verses, the gospel in two verses for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Listen, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Friends, that is the gospel. That Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he was raised according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. But jump down to verse 14 as, as he talks about the resurrection of the dead. So think about this for a minute. <clears throat> We're two Sundays past Resurrection Sunday. So we got together a few weeks ago and we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the resurrection and how the fact that it is something worthy to celebrate. Amen. The following week, we, what, we came together and we talked about what does it mean to live in light of Easter. Because Easter changes everything. So now kind of that continuation, if you will. Look at what Paul's saying as we look and we think about what it means to live in light of Easter. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our, your faith is in vain. Jump to 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. But he doesn't end there. What does he say? Verse 20. But in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, friends, the gospel changes everything. For some of you today, we want to, you know, as we think about this morning, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Uh, for some of you, I want you to think, you need to turn off CNN and Fox News and NSNBC. You need to stop worrying about all this, in, how you're being inundated with all of this news because it's not all good. Is it not? They, you rarely, if ever, hear good news. But friends, as believers in Christ Jesus, we've been given the gospel. We've been given the good news of the glory of God, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We need to be sharing that. Far too often, and, and I and I kind of I kind of um, I, I look at things from a different lens. And so this morning, as we talk about what is the gospel, we're going to talk about some of these statements that these people made. Because here's the thing: you have to define what it is you're looking at. 
Because when you can ask people, you say, well, Brother Chris, you should know what that is, or we should know what that is, but do we? Because as you come today and we, and we tell you, you depart, we say, go, go make disciples, go share the gospel. Well, what are you sharing? I want you to know. But I also look at news, as we think about the news in the world around us, I look at it from a different lens because that was a business I was in for seven and a half years. But the news that's around us, we're inundated by things that have no effect on our community, no impact on our lives. We know that there's sin in the world. We know that there's corruption. We know that, that, that people are fallen in their nature. We, but we're, we inundate ourselves with all these things that we cannot control. Again, drive you back to the gospel, to the good news. So what I'm going to do this morning is a little bit different. You probably say, Chris, you've said that time and time again. Yeah, I have. I have. But you know, I, I'm trying to be obedient to what I feel Christ is calling me to do. And so this morning, I'm going to allow my friends, if you will, to preach. And every one of these statements that I'm going to put before you is solid. Or I wouldn't be putting it before you. Here's the other thing I want you to, as we, as we, as we dive into this, I'm going to make some thoughts and make some comments along the way. But what's fascinating is none of these people were in the same room. None of them knows what the other person said. But they all have a common theme, and that is Christ. Right? I, I've heard it said best that as we look at our faith, that it is Christ plus nothing equals everything. We, we can't be good enough. Now, good works is a byproduct of having walked with Jesus. There should be some transformation. So let's, let's dive in and let's begin to look at some of these statements. First off, Bill... Bill Langford, what did he say? He said, it's the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in his response to me, he included 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 5. I knew that. But in his answer, he was driving me back to Scripture. You see, I want you to know some of these statements. Now, here, here's the thing today. You might say, well, this is overwhelming. Well, it could be. But I also know that God is greater than any of us in here. And so one of these answers may resonate with you. You may take parts and pieces of your own to make your own. But here's the deal. I want you to have clarity because when it's, when it's memorable, it's portable. And, and so think about it in the life that we live. If we're going to be about making disciples, if we're going to be about making much of Jesus, don't you think that we need a clear definition of what the gospel is, what we're about? Because, friends, I'm going to step on some toes, and, and, and feel free to come back afterwards, and, and, try, and, and let's sharpen one another. But here's the deal, and I saw it best. It was a post that I had shared on Facebook years ago. But listen, the object, the goal is not to get people to church, it's to get people to Jesus. Now, now yes, we want to be about bringing people into our fellowship. Because I believe wholeheartedly what, that there, I can take you to a ministry friend of mine who served in North Augusta. They would go out in the community, they would go out to the gas station, and they would say, hey, where are you going when you die? Street evangelism. But here's the thing, you think about it today. How many times if someone approaches you in public, do you, you what? You tell them whatever they want to hear to get them to go away. You either agree with them or you just brush them off. And so I'm thankful for that man of God who came alongside of me and he said, Chris, 
I, I had this burden that there were these years that we went and, and there was a street evangelism and, and we basically scared people into hell, but there was no discipleship. We, we left them there in their sins and, and not knowing where to go. So the goal is to get people to Jesus. Will they come to church? Sure, and, that, and, and we'll love them and encourage them when they do. But let's get them to Jesus first and foremost. Austin's friend, Ryan Gray, who I quoted last week, had a great conversation with him. He serves at First Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. He said, I was dead in my sin and made alive in Christ. What about, what about my good friend Mark Champagne at United Ministries who has sharpened me and, and taught me a whole lot about following Jesus He's also been very patient. He texts me all the time to try to get, the, get me to work out with him, and he's just loving. He, he doesn't, you know, he's just like, hey, we'd love to see you again. Let's go to lunch. We still meet every, every three times a week to work out. But look at what Mark said about the gospel. He said, Jesus is the good news who came to make a way for us to be in a right standing before God. Christ, you in, in yourself, in your goodness, in your good deeds, and trying to live a good life, that, that's not how we'll stand, how we can stand blameless before the Lord. It is through Christ and Christ alone. What about my buddy Nathan Timmons over at Croswell Baptist Church? He said it's holy, listen to how he describes Christ. Holy, pure, righteous Christ died and rose again for my sins. That's good stuff. That's a great reminder of who Christ is. He's holy, he's pure, and he's righteous. None of those things can we obtain ourselves except through Christ. What about Austin's friend, Justin Kinley? Justin is at Indian Trail First Baptist Church. He has a podcast, and I had to explain what that was in the first service, but for those of you that don't know, a podcast is basically, you know, some of y'all would sit around and listen to the radio as you were growing up, so basically these are radio shows on demand that you can listen to. Justin had a podcast that he did for his youth group, and actually I found joy and was sharpened and learned and grew from it, and I would listen to it, and he would basically go through a chapter of the Bible. And so we talked to Justin as we were on our way home from Louisville. Justin had this to say. He said, Christ crucified, Christ buried, Christ raised for everlasting life. What does that sound like? That sounds like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 and 4, does it not? What about Kristen? Austin's better half. She said, it is the summation of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. You might say, I'm going a little fast. Listen, I'll send you the slide deck. Send you any of these quotes you want to read. If you want to read back over them, whatever. I'll text them to you, email them to you, whatever. You get with me afterwards. But I want you to chew on these things. I want there to be clarity because that was my burden. If we're, if we're not, it, how's that saying go? You know, if you aim for anything, then you'll hit it every time. Right, what are we aiming at? What, what's the goal? The goal is to get people to Christ and to help them understand the gospel. My buddy Lee Brown, who I love and adore, he and his wife, 
walked away from a very fruitful ministry to go into Horry County, which, by the way, 34 people, the last time I heard, 34 people move to Horry County every day. It is one of the largest growing areas on the East Coast and in this nation. Housing, apartments, condominiums are springing up everywhere. Lee is a physical therapist. His wife uh, does some basically online grocery shopping and delivers food to people. But you know what they do? They're, They're planting a house church. And so they're building relationships with those people that they can, and they're inviting people into their home so that they can build a relationship with them and share the gospel, to share who Jesus is. It is, it, it, I can't even describe it. I was able to uh, attend a meeting with him one night, and, and it was just beautiful, the conversation that was had and, and the relationships that they're trying to build. And it, it's dirty and it's messy, because anytime you have people, it's going to be messy. There's going to be drama. doesn't matter whether it's your friend group, your family, your small group at church, your office environment. Anytime there are people, it's going to be messy. There's going to be drama. I mean, ask me and Kendall. We were part of a church plant one time that had four core families. And if everybody showed up on Sunday morning, there were 13 people. And we had drama with 13 people. But Lee said, salvation from our wrongdoings, our sins, can only come about through Jesus Christ and never our good deeds. What about my friend Ryan Glosson at First Baptist of Turbyville, who I will stand on the platform with him this afternoon and another minister to celebrate the life of Mr. Bruce Budden, a life well lived of 90 plus years old. I have to show you a picture next week, but... Ryan Shire, many of you know him, a phenomenal artist in our community. They took a picture and he made a sketch of, of, um, of granddad, of Mr. Bruce. He had trouble seeing. He had his bifocals on and he had a big, huge magnifying glass. And he was sitting in front of his Bible, searching the scriptures all the way to the very end. This afternoon is a, is a celebration of life, of a life well lived. Well, what's going to be said at your funeral? Is your life going to be that to, to magnifying Christ to where your family knows of whom and where your help comes from? Will it be a celebration of a life well lived? Ryan, who is a studious guy and has more degrees than I have common sense, he continues to go to school. He packed a lot into one sentence, did he not? Look at what he says. A story of redemption that culminates with God in the flesh living a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice so that all, despite our sin, have the opportunity to live a life pleasing to God. That's the gospel. Hey, what about my lovely wife, my helpmate, my my bride? She said this, the gospel is the good news concerning Christ and our salvation. Brother Bill Bennett at New Life Church in Dazelle, which... We served at in a season. I'd love to tell you that story someday. Brother Bill is making much of Jesus in a dark community, a community that's not receptive to the gospel. He's also the chaplain, the head chaplain for Pilgrim's Pride right down the street. Brother Bill said this, God gave Jesus to die for our sin. What about old Chris Plant, 
member here at Bethel Baptist Church. He said, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself to die and defeat death and will come again to carry home all who believe on him and what he has done. My friend Ron Taylor, I love Ron. He... He texts me most, he's texting me most every Sunday and says, I'm praying for you. He sends me a, a, something of encouragement every Sunday. Ron said this, he said, Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and he was buried and raised on the third day according to scriptures. What is Ron's, he basically in essence, he, he's quoting scripture. He's pointing us back to without the word of God and the spirit of God, there is no salvation. Point people to Scripture. That, that's my goal in this message is for you to find that, that definition, for, to, for you to have that working definition in your mind. And, and here in a minute, I'm going to give you a couple tools that you can use so that you can, in essence, go out and do what God has created you to do and to share the gospel, to share the good news that He is still changing lives in 2022. Amen? He's still worthy of being praised. He's still worthy of being prayed to. He's still worthy of being glorified. What about John Taylor? John Taylor said the gospel is the birth, the perfect life of Jesus on earth, his sacrifice of life on our behalf, and the confirming of his perfection by his resurrection. Dude, that's some good stuff, amen? The birth, the perfect life, the sacrifice of life on our behalf. He, he, he took what we were owed and took it on himself. For eternity past and eternity future. And he confirmed his perfection by his resurrection. You know, my buddy Shane Musell at Harmony, he, he said what basically Ron and, and Bill said. What's cool about Bill, and I, and I forgot to say this earlier when I talked about what Bill said, when Bill called me, you know, I was like, I was anticipating being chastised. Chris, what do you mean? You're a minister of the gospel. What are you asking a question about? What is the gospel? But I didn't get chastised. I just got reminded that I'm not the only one with a burden of helping people define what is the gospel. We need clarity in what that is, of what, of what Christ has done for us. Then you get this guy, I don't know who he is, you know, but he says... You know, after hearing all of these people, after hearing all these people, I'm like, how am I going to come up with my own sentence? And so in the drive through this week, if you ever see me out and I'm holding my phone like this, I'm not crazy. I'm making a note. So this week as I was directing traffic at Chick-fil-A, I kind of had this aha moment and I was like, I got to have my own statement. So in the drive through I basically pressed the side button to talk to Siri and I said, make a note. The gospel is the power of God to save those who are perishing. That's what the gospel is about. But let me tell you what, I kind of, these were in no particular order, but I did save the best till last. I found my way to a booth at the conference. I don't visit most booths because I don't want them to have my information because I don't want to be aggravated by them, right? I don't want them to send me texts and e emails and junk up my inbox, so I just rather stay away. But I did find myself in front of three ladies from Alabama who write curriculum for teenagers and for their parents. 
and began to have a conversation with them, and I encouraged them with a few things, my few nuggets of wisdom that the Lord's given me to tell people that I may not ever see again the side of glory. I shared that, and then at the end I said, hey, I want to ask you all a question. I got this burden. What is the gospel? This one lady at the table, the youngest lady at the table, she said, I got it. And here's what she had to say. Jesus saves sinners. Three words. Jesus saves sinners. Jalen Mickle, she works with students. She reminded me that day that words matter, especially as they deal with young people and the attention that they have, that every word matters. Every word counts. I've given you a lot today. Again, be glad to give you the deck. Be glad for you to review over this as a PDF, whatever. Come up with your own statement. I encourage you to do that. Let's talk about it. I want to share this with you, my life application study Bible. Here's the deal. The Christian life is not abstract theology unconnected to life. Let's pause right there. One thing I can tell you after 10 years in ministry of traveling this area, of being a part of other services, having conversations with other ministers, having congregations, conversations with other people who go to other churches one of the things that i can tell you is there's not a lot of clarity of people understanding what their church believes for so for the past 40 something weeks every sunday we've presented to you a question and answer and the biblical grounds in scripture of what we believe why because we want you to know that's theology of what we believe about our faith and as my study Bible reminded me, and I'm reminding you this morning, that the Christian life is not abstract theology, unconnected to our lives. But it has practical implications that will affect how we choose to behave each day. Now look at this next sentence. It is not enough merely to know the gospel. We must let it transform our life and let God impact every aspect of our lives. It's not merely enough to know the gospel. It must transform our hearts, our minds. There must be a shift. There must be a change of what we do with our hands, what we do with our feet, what we say. Two tools, very quickly. Be glad to text this to you. I know it's probably hard to see. One of the tools that... So once you have a working definition, maybe you take Mickle's, Jalen's... Uh, comment there and maybe it's jesus saves sinners that that's what the gospel is you, you also have your testimony that's different that's how god has saved you we'll talk about testimonies i'm sure at some point in the future but then you take something like the romans road of salvation and you and you work that through why because it's not simply about repeating a prayer but we want to show god we want to show people that god places in our path what where it is in the word I've sat down with people who have been in this room, that have been in this room, and one of them, a grown man, said this. He said, no one's ever shown me in the book. No one's ever laid out that plan of salvation of the gospel in the book. So the Romans wrote of salvation. Otherwise, another tool that you can use is the path of salvation. What have I done? I've shared that with you recently. And even as I was preparing... Um, for this particular message, 
be glad. I've added one to the bottom. Some of you have texted me and have gotten that and done that. Basically what you do is you take that list that's off to the side. You find out what page number it is. You turn to the beginning of your Bible. You write what the first page number is to Romans 3.23. You highlight that in pink. You go to the bottom of the page and you write the page number for Romans 6.23. But what's interesting, and I want you to see this very quickly, very quickly, in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where we start. Many of you know that verse. But listen, Paul goes on to say, and are justified by his grace as a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It must be received. through. Listen, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. We're justified by his grace as a gift. Reminded me of a quote from Paul David Tripp that said this. Paul David Tripp talked about grace. He said, grace means we're not held to our worst moment or cursed by our worst decision. Look at what he said. The gospel, the gospel of God's grace teaches us that lasting change of heart and hands always takes place in the context of relationship. First with God and then with the people of God. It's, a, it's on the foundation of having a relationship with God who can only be made through the precious shed blood of Christ on the cross at Calvary. You're to get that relationship right and then we're to come into a relationship with one another. So again, the goal is what? Not to get people to church, but to get people to Jesus. Once we get them to Jesus, the goal is to get them into community, which we find at church. But I'm here to tell you that my heartbeat is this, that some of us are going to have to go outside of these four walls. I'm going from preaching to meddling for a minute. Hang tight. I'm going to wrap it up with a nice little pretty bow in just a minute. But we're going to have to go outside of these four walls. We're going to have to think outside of these four boxes, and we're going to have to go and get people who are far from God, build a relationship with them, invite them in into our homes, invite them into the restaurant, invite them to the table, build that relationship, point them, live out who Christ is, because listen, people will listen to us tell the gospel only once we have succeeded at showing the gospel to be true in our lives. We've got to do that, and then, then, as they find community, we may be able to bring them into the church. But friends, I don't know about you, but I've ridden in pockets of com- uh, in communities in this town in this city over back behind Shaw Air Force Base and Kendall can tell you because she rode with me and we were just mesmerized who are all these people where do they go to church who is telling them about Jesus friends there's all kinds of people outside of these four walls that are dying and going to hell there are people in the cubicle next to you that are dying and going to hell there are people in your family that are dying and going to hell and you have the answer and if you don't have the answer, let me help you find the answer and show you where the answer can be found in Christ and then go and magnify him in those relationships, in those situations. Shane Pruitt, I don't even remember who Shane is. This is a tweet for those of you that don't know. I love Twitter. Twitter can be used for good, just like anything. The enemy can use it as well, but Twitter encourages me. Shane is one of the people I've got connected with. Don't even remember how, but look at what Shane says. He said this earlier this month. He said the gospel calls us from things. It calls us from sin and death and destruction, but it also calls us to some things. It calls us to a love for God, to a love for others, to a family, to a kingdom, to a hope, to a freedom, to a peace, to a life. 
to a mission. And I very simply close today with words from Archibald Brown, who was a minister and associate of Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers. He said this, The gospel is a fact, therefore tell it simply. What's today's message been about? Finding that one verse of what is the gospel, to be able to find it, to cling to it, to know what it is. Maybe you simply use the one, Jesus saves sinners, bam, there is the gospel. It's defined simply. Now show them where to find it in the word of God. It is a joyful fact, therefore cheer, tell it cheerfully. Maybe some of the reasons some people ain't getting saved is because y'all look like you sucked on a lemon when you're trying to tell them about Jesus. If he's changed your life, there should be joy, Amen. Oh, let me tell you about this. My pastor said I gotta do this. Man, shoot, come on, man. If he's changed your life, again, you want people to know it. If you've experienced Christ, if you've experienced what he's done in your life, you want other people to experience it too. We've there are some of y'all, let me remind y'all, because that's my job as a minister. I gotta remind y'all some things. There are some of y'all sitting in this room that were not here a year ago when I got here. And you're sitting in this room because there were people that had their hearts and minds transformed by Jesus and they were enjoying what he was doing in their life and filling in the gaps and standing in, in the gap and, 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 and finding a peace and presence that surpasses all understanding and, and learning that there's a God who can do far more abundantly than we ask or think. And you know what? They realized that in him that's where life is found and it's found abundantly and, and, and it's only through him. And so they find that joy that now that burden is lifted that they don't have to do it on their own and they've experienced that peace they've experienced that joy they've experienced that freedom and what do they do but they came and they invited you and they said i want you to experience what i'm experiencing that's what the gospel is about share it share it last thought for today somebody took the gospel i'll probably i'll post it on our facebook page it's life in six words acrostic of the gospel god our sins paying everyone life god our sins paying everyone life very simply on their sight listen god created us to be with him our sin separates us from god sins cannot be removed by good deeds paying the price for our sin jesus died and rose again everyone Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus can start now and last forever. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning. Lord, thank you for the burden that you gave me of understanding and rallying people around me. Rallying these, your people, to understand what is the gospel. Father, it is good news Lord, it is the path of redemption when we cannot save ourselves. You did the work for us, and you offer it simply as a gift to be received. And so, Father, I pray here this morning, if there's one who has never trusted in you, never realized the, the, the penalty for their sin and for their unrighteousness, Father, as we've come out of this Easter season celebrating the risen Lord, 
Lord, may the, the, the scales fall off of their eyes. May their hearts be softened to realize the price that was paid. And, and, the, and the mountain of love that we even sang about earlier, that reckless love that has chased us down. And, 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 you, and you're not going to force yourself upon us, but Father, you want that relationship to exist. And you're offering it freely to those who will humbly come. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there's one here that's never accepted you, has never, they don't know about that salvation, Lord. They, if they left here today and, and they don't know where they're going, Father, I pray they'd find me, they'd find another woman, another man that they trust and say, I want to know about this Jesus. How can I know today without a shadow of doubt before I leave this place that, that I can have that joy, that peace, that presence, that forgiveness, that weight to be lifted from my soul as you've had it lifted from yours. Father, I pray that we would go and tell. We tell it simply, we tell it humbly. Lord, we point them to you in the work of Calvary. Lord, we point them to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Lord, that you died, that, that you were buried, that you were raised in accordance with Scripture. Of all your word promised, you fulfilled. Father, for those of us who know you, Father, I pray this morning, maybe we have more clarity about what the gospel is. Lord, help us to go and to share it with those you place in our path. Father, I pray now as we leave, Lord, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, as we wake up tomorrow, I pray that we would be obedient to your word as we're told in Matthew's gospel. Lord, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Father, help us to be about seeking Jesus. Seeking his presence. Seeking his peace. Being still in his presence. And then going forth and loving magnifying him in all that we say and do father when we fail and we will father forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness pick us back up and use us again father we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son jesus amen